Welcome to No One Can Know About This, a podcast where we play every Final Fantasy. I'm Jeff Ekman. And I'm Ryan Kazmiski. And here we go. It's a bonus episode where we talk about having played Final Fantasy VII Remake. We've talked a lot about how we were going to play it in all the previous episodes, yep. and we finally have. Yep. If you want to see our full unedited playthrough of Final Fantasy VII, you can see it right now. It's available on both YouTube and on Twitch mm-hmm. at twitch.tv slash podcast or on YouTube, search podcast. And also we put them up for free on Patreon just to make it easy for everybody to find all the parts. Yeah. There's uh, one unfortunate caveat, which is that the video file on the finale got partly corrupted, mm-hmm. and I did everything that I could to save as much of the data as possible. There's a couple of points that it unfortunately does skip. It Stuff yeah. is fully lost. And then beyond that, Square Enix put a, a gate where we weren't allowed to broadcast the final chapter, so there's no video there's for no the There's no video end. for the final chapter, but there was <laughs> never going to be video for the final chapter. But there's also no video beyond the final chapter where there should have been video. The, because the that last chapter. Corrupted. fucked up, but you can mostly watch us play it's Final pretty Fantasy VII Remake. Yeah, <laughs> the rest of it. I mean, it's fifty-five hours that we played this game. Like is this that, is not. I think that like that's uh, or it's somewhere in the. It was well over fifty. Mm-hmm. So you know, it, it's a full ass Final Fantasy VII game that ends. It's all in Midgar. Mm-hmm. So why don't we start talking about it? Um, this game is really fucking good. This man. game is so good. It's so fun. It's so much better than I could have hoped for or realistically considered. I yeah, I mean, first of all, I mean, the most important part of any game is the gameplay. Mm-hmm. After playing the demo, I kind of had this feeling where I was like, even if they completely fuck up the story and I I can't watch it, Mm -hmm. I'm still going to enjoy playing it. Yeah, because it's just fun to do the way they have it all set up with like, yeah, it looks like hack and slash 15, but it feels completely different than 15 because you fill up an ATB bar and then you have an actual turn and you're not allowed to use items unless you have a full ATB bar. And the way it works is just fun. It's just fucking fun. It's it, the combat's really good. It's one and of the it's most like, purely fun games I've played in a long time, <laughs> which agree. is not really that true of the original FF7. <laughs> On a pure like fun. Well, that's the thing is level. I feel like they recap because like you know I remember playing the original and every time you got a new materia you would be like I gotta try it out I gotta mm-hmm. see what it does whereas mm-hmm. like playing it today since we you know it's like. Not all new and exciting. You get mm-hmm. you get a material that you might not understand. You're like, whatever, just throw it. We're not going to yeah, bother with bag. that. But like in remake, I had the same every single item. I mm-hmm. wanted to like put on every piece of armor, like and every single yeah, yeah, every everything single thing. Was so much smoother and easier to play in so many different ways. Because yeah, that like the material works pretty much the same way it did in the original, except mm-hmm. they've added a bunch of new materia that are like action game specific. Like there's purple materia that gives you like new moves. Mm-hmm. Also, the materia bag is really well organized. It's auto organized. You don't even have it. Like it puts all the greens up here, and then followed by the yeah. yellows and, and the, the blues. purples. Yeah, like all together. Really Every nice. T- it also like that didn't really have to hit an arrange button. No, and beyond the materia for combat, what they've added is 
every weapon has its own like skill tree that it upgrades. Yeah. So you can like change your build based on like if you want this person to be more support heavy or more DPS. Well, it also makes it so that you can use the Buster Sword and upgrade it throughout the entire game instead of like throwing that thing away yeah. ten minutes in and being like onto the next weapon over and over again. You get like f- four or six, I think, total weapons per character. And each- well, there's there's more than that because there's like hidden weapons too. That's what I mean. The, there's like six, I think, total, but like or maybe even seven. But either way, the point is that they all do slightly different things, and that actually makes each one of them continue to be useful throughout the game Mm -hmm. because they don't stop being like... Can you imagine putting on the Buster Sword and fighting Sephiroth in the original? No. The other smart thing I think they did with the upgrading, too, is it's not like you have to grind on a specific weapon to earn upgrade points for it. Mm -hmm. Every weapon accrues the same number of upgrade points as you're playing. So you can just keep upgrading weapons even if you're not using them. That was such a relief when I was like, oh, do I have to keep using the Buster Sword in order to keep leveling it? No. And then I'm still not done because every weapon comes with a unique ability that's then learnable. So like once you've used it a few times, you can change weapons and keep using that ability. So you're like adding to the ability. It's just like the way it all folds together is so cool because by the end, like you're fighting as Cloud and you have like a list of like 10 tricks that don't consume magic and then you have all the materia. Mm -hmm. You just, it just feels so good. And yeah, and towards the end too, like you get non-ranged weapons for Barrett that like make him completely different. Yeah, that claw thing was awesome. Yeah, he suddenly now instead of being like a ranged character can like charge an enemy and push them like far away. Mm -hmm. It, It also solves the problem in the original game of every character being interchangeable and it's just the materia loadout. Like, Mm -hmm. the weapon abilities make all of them, like, totally unique. And then the boss fights were so awesome. Like, when we played the demo and the Scorpion fight was as insane and epic as it was, I Mm -hmm. was like, are they going to be able to maintain this level of boss fight throughout the entire game and, like, one-up it? And for the most part, like, fucking they did. I I would say that's, like, where they really, really banked all their money on this game was they were like, you're going to be going from, like, boss fight to boss fight. Yeah. Like, the focus on combat in this game is extreme. It's not like you'll find a boss that's just like, oh, now we're in a room with a harder enemy. It's almost always like, now we enter an arena and there's a cinematic as the boss like appears. Yeah. Each boss has like four phases. And also some of them have stuff like when you're going through the dungeon on the way to the boss, you can like disable elements of the boss. Mm -hmm. And like that can be different depending on choices that you make on different playthroughs, but also... That was the only boss that worked that way. Like, they all had their own ideas, which is cool. Yeah, like, I'm trying to, I'm just trying to think of a few of the most memorable, because that was the Airbuster, mm-hmm. which is, like, insane, a fucking amazing fight. Because you're, like, <laughs> in the original, you fight Airbuster, and it's kind of cool, because you're, like, sandwiching the Airbuster, mm. and, you know, which is slightly different from how you normally fight. Right. Like, you're on either side. Yeah. But in this one, like, the Airbuster is flying all over this, like, T intersection, mm-hmm. while robots that are projecting Heidegger as a hologram are like flying right. around and he's like watching it all going oh, like I'm gonna crush you soon <laughs> it reminds me of like a I don't know like a Mega Man fight or something yeah, I don't some know kind why of old but, arcade yeah vibe. exactly yeah. where you've got the bad guy sort of like yelling sh- like talking mm-hmm. shit to you while you're fighting <laughs> <laughs> yeah that one was incredible there were some really good great ones in Shimmer Tower Rufus was awesome to fight Rufus was a pretty amazing fight he had uh, some great details about where he like flipped two coins in the air 
there and then shoots them with his guns and they turn into laser beams. Because, I mean, yeah, beyond, there's almost like two types of crazy boss fights, too, because there's the ones that are like huge set pieces where you're fighting like a robot or a monster that's mm-hmm. huge, and then there's ones where you're fighting Rufus or the Turks. Because right. there's also this boss fight where you fight Reno and Rude on top of the Sector 7 plate when mm-hmm. it's going to fall, mm-hmm. and it's like fucking so badass. <laughs> <laughs> because they're just yeah it's just like two super fast guys that you're like trying to manage yeah it feels like an insane anime street fight yeah but the other like smart fucking amazing thing they did was like memorable just like random encounters for the first game become big bosses here right like the hell house hell house I think in particular is probably easily the most memorable boss fight in the game mm-hmm. i loved fighting hell house it works out like in the original where you start fighting a house and then it kind of starts breaking apart and yeah. becoming more of a robot house <laughs> but you're also in an arena where there's commentators like yelling out like it's a like it's a cage match like yeah. what's going on in the fight where do those chairs come from yeah it's so good and beyond that each of the boss fights has its own strategy so like we died a bunch on hellhouse cuz mm-hmm. we didn't realize its trick right you know, if you're like not playing these fights strategically, you just will lose, which is amazing change from the original because that's yeah. usually not the case in a Final Fantasy game. This game had so much to it. It did have a lot to it, and they do a great job of keeping intact that feeling from the original game where you're doing a wide variety of activities. Yeah, like through Midgar in the original, you're like pressing buttons and you're yeah, you doing know, squats. It, Even the squats was more fun. And yes, they kept the squats. They oh man okay so maybe we should read oh man okay because well, we're gonna talk we about should have everything a in section where we just discuss the mini games i feel that can be its own discussion <laughs> here in a minute because well it, i it, wound up in a battle with jewels yeah of, w- trying to do pull-ups with um, uh tifa yeah the way the squats work in this game which is also like the pull-ups is basically a much harder version of the squats mm-hmm. is like you have to be doing the buttons at a certain pace that increases slowly bit by bit every squat you do so you can start squatting real fast mm-hmm. but if you go too fast or too slow you'll fall over like the other guys and it's fucking really hard to beat the hardest guy at the squats which is like it's how it worked in the first one but they've tuned it in a way where it's way more engaging Mm -hmm. because like it starts out with a diagram of the buttons you should push and in what order and it shows like an arrow going from one to the other and you got to hit the button when the arrow hits it and then that fades away and you've got to maintain the rhythm feel the rhythm you've got to feel the animation in your head Mm -hmm. like because you're watching cloud or tifa do the exercise and, and you're and like you got to wait for them to stop the motion to press the button but right. you, you know it goes in an order but you want to get it as fast as possible cuz this guy you're competing with is like kicking your ass Jules is hard he's hard to beat right the the second layer of squats the pull-ups you did with Tifa i was like ready to be like fuck this we don't need to do this and you were <laughs> like no i'm going to beat him and like if you're not perfect at pull-ups, you have to be you absolutely incredible. And I kicked his ass in the end. They, Go watch it on the stream. It was really a battle. So the squ- the squats they did a great job. What I mean, the, the other mini games. There's darts in, mm-hmm. in Tifa's Seventh Heaven. I now, love darts, which is like this pointless piece of like <laughs> fluff in between. Like Tifa's like, I'm gonna go talk to Barrett. Wait right. here at the bar. 
And if you want, you can get up and just go play darts for as long as it takes. To and get in order first to place. beat Wedge's score, you have to again do it fucking perfectly. Yeah, you got to be good at it. And they did. It's so fun because like they made it so that it's like you're trying to put a reticle, you know, like mm-hmm. over the the board where you mm-hmm. want it to hit, and it sort of just pulls in random directions. So like <laughs> you it's not really it possible right. to be really good at it. You got to get lucky. But it was it was pretty fun, and it hit that sweet spot for me of Final Fantasy where I'm like, I'm not sure if this is fun but i am compelled to, to keep this. going yeah and <laughs> that's the sweet spot yeah <laughs> like same thing with another one of the mini games the destroying the boxes mini game oh shit that was the best yeah there was just an area where like in the slums where some kids are like we set up a bunch of boxes bigger yeah. ones are worth more points fucking go nuts yeah and you just have to destroy as many boxes as possible and it's so fun and you end up like getting you have to like you have to like uh you have to find the right. I to say, use my. Uh, you have to use your brain, because like there's there's a weapon that has a better ability for destroying boxes faster. Yeah, you yeah. got to figure out how to get like into Punisher mode yep. quickly at the right time. Right time because like movement has got to be quick. It's again like the first time you do it, you're like, this is hard, and this seems like bullshit because like you can't lock onto the boxes because they're always missing and then right. like something clicks and you're like i'm on fire i'm killing Nothing the boxes can stop me God. i'm the death of all boxes yes like <laughs> man i want to go watch that on our stream now i uh, that i want to that see was you definitely destroy, i think a highlight you got way because because we were like not close and then suddenly i was just like <laughs> you, every box well like it, yeah you have to beat like thirty thousand yeah. or something and like you were just barely cracking twenty thousand the and be- then all of a sudden you beat like four 45,000 or something in yeah. the one. The best thing, too, is like the context for this mini game is that it's like a game kids play in an alley. But whenever you lose, the little girl who you like sign up to do it with like talks yeah. mad shit. She she's like, intense. she's like, well, I guess if you're like not good enough, you should just go home. Yeah. Or like, like, fuck you, little girl. And then by the end up the boxes. Then again. when you win, she's like speechless. And she's like, I don't even know if there's a point to playing this game anymore. You did so well. There's no chance any of us could ever beat that score. And Amazing. You're like, That's fucking right. There's more mini game. Oh yeah. In now in the cross dressing section, which we'll get into later, like oh. how that plays out differently. But there's like a rhythm dancing mini game that you do at the Honeybee Inn that's like visionary. Oh, it's one of the best parts of the game. <laughs> Everybody should go play it just for the Honeybee but Inn this section. Is, this is a spoiler cast, so we can say yeah. whatever we want. But like Cloud basically gets goaded into like going on stage mm-hmm. with like the owner of the Honeybee Inn to dance in front of everybody. And you have to do this really difficult like guitar hero mm-hmm. put the button or, you know, quick time events really. But, like, watching Cloud go from, like, crossed arms, like, I don't want to do this, to then, like, hitting the beats perfectly, and there's, like, fireworks going off, and then you're, like, in the arms of this guy, like, dancing with him, and you're both, like, in rhythm. (laughs) It's, like, so satisfying to see Cloud do that. Man, this game kicked ass. It did. It really, for the most part, did. It's fucking hard, this game, at times. (laughs) That's the other thing, is they got the difficulty, like, really nailed in if you're playing Mm -hmm. on normal i think you'll die like i don't think you can if you don't understand how to do a fight like you have to figure out the trick to beat it usually yeah you can't just like force your way through it i felt like going into it there was going to be all these winks to the moments that fans know of the original but the way they did all those winks was way better than i expected them to be able Mm -hmm. to pull off don corneo has a coliseum that's underground 
Yeah, they, like, reimagined Wall Market in a way that allows them to put the fighting, like, the Colosseum from the Gold Saucer mm -hmm. into this game so that you get, like, that flavor, too. And since the combat in this game is great, the Colosseum is kind of badass. That's it also, like, where you get the second level limit breaks, mm -hmm. which we managed to get most of. Yeah, but I love that they have all these fights that are, like, it's one person versus, like, this set of enemies. Mm -hmm. Or, like, it's, it's like, you know, choose two teammates members to do this fight yeah surprisingly there was no chocobo racing but they're they're gonna get to it yeah there were chocobos yeah the chocobo racing is kind of disappointing because they even put in a character <laughs> who's like the face of chocobos in midgar chocobo sam yeah and he they even made him a gambler and, and they gave like, him an impression of sam he talks like sam elliott elliott yeah. yeah he's he's like well what i do is sex trafficking for don corneo and i also run the fast travel business in town and they say he's a gambler but yeah where does he gamble that's the thing is i feel like they I can feel that there's space for a Chocobo racetrack in Walmart, you know, and it's just not there. And it's a little disappointing because they put in the Coliseum. I mean, give them a virtual track. Just at least show me a bunch of Chocobos in a room yeah. with VR headsets over their eyes going. <laughs> exactly, because as it is, the only interaction you have with Chocobos is like late in the game, mm -hmm. you like can fast travel using chocobo carriages. But yeah, that's a new character. There's a madam that's a new character. Mm -hmm. And then there's Chadley. Well, there's also Andrea. The, Andrea. The, the new characters, we'll just say, have like varying degrees of goodness. Yeah, like, I like Andrea. Andrea, the owner of the Honeybee Inn, is fucking fantastic. Chadley, who is the little boy who is doing research for Hojo, but he hates Shinra, yeah, but he they, works for them, they added and in he's this, got a bunch of <laughs> missions for you. They added in a very compilation-esque, weird-ass little kid, and this is like how you get the summon materia, is mm -hmm. you've got to go into his... The, the compilation... His VR headset. Like, of... obsession with collecting data being a way that you get new abilities. Well, they like watch your zone. combat, and they learn more. And then you get new materia. Yeah. For going... Anyway, it yeah. doesn't make sense. Yes. But Chadley, I kind of like just because he sucks so much. <laughs> like, every time you encounter him, you're like, shut <laughs> the fuck up. Stop talking to me. I feel like it was intentional, and they <laughs> wanted you to hate Chadley, and it worked. The way that he gives you, like, little side quests that are things like do X, Y, or Z in combat, and that allows you to buy new materia, like, works pretty well as, yeah. like, a way of, of gating out new and materia. And it forces you to be assessing everything, which you're going to want to be assessing mm -hmm. all of your enemies so that you can see their weaknesses. And as dumb as the VR fighting conceit is you like go into this vr arena and fight the summons mm -hmm. and that's how you unlock them mm -hmm. all the summon fights are really cool they're really fun like leviathan was really cool mm -hmm. still haven't beaten bahamut we still have we'll to get do there. bahamut yeah there's like a couple extra secret yeah fights yeah and most of the characters that they added aren't like a big enough role that if they're good or bad they really affect that much mm -hmm. but then there's a cup like they added in this guy leslie kyle who's like a lackey for don corneo that oh, i think that they guy. just like they kind of just go too far like they at, he at had point, a lot of motivation actually yeah and i which i think played out well like when you first meet him you kind of get the sense that like even Don Corneo's men are kind of over his whole thing, right. which makes it all make a little more sense. Because they, he then helps you later, and yeah, it's because he fucking hates Don Corneo for some pretty fucked up reasons. Yeah, but from in my opinion, they go like a little too far into this random dude's backstory. <laughs> like you see, like flashbacks where he's like, "I was 
engaged to this girl and mm-hmm. then Don Corneo chose her and now she's disappeared and like you get this whole like arc where then like all of the main characters encourage him to go look for his girlfriend mm-hmm. who might still be out there mm-hmm. and you're like is this gonna happen in the next game like are they Maybe. do we care about Maybe this? Maybe we'll find out more about this Leslie Kyle was his name? Leslie Kyle I yeah. hope we will and then there's Roche the motorcycle guy who we the whole game we were like well he's obviously coming back for the big finale the big motorcycle finale and he never does right and they made such a huge deal out of this guy and all the promotional material <laughs> they were like and check it out there's a brand new there's like villain and you they fucking the there's the fight one you have with him he like sets it up like wow i've been looking for a real challenge and he fights you and he's like i'll see you later cuz we got to fight again and then <laughs> never n- see nothing, him again nothing at all he should have shown up in the finale or something like yeah. to have a pretty lengthy segment involving him that is just meaningless eh, it's it's weird could have been better <laughs> i love the way the characters were realized like the thing the stuff that i really thought they were gonna have trouble nailing was like the tone of the the vibe of the characters like the way that they all play with each other well yeah because it's legitimately done great if you watch advent children you're like they don't understand anything that was fun about these characters like this is not sid this isn't how any of these people i'm a little worried about how they're gonna have sid be in the in the next ones well i mean from because you know it's like when you look at the compilation stuff like they fucked up hojo like hojo is is awful in crisis core and hojo looks so but in this they like his voice is cool and he's really menacing they kind of kept some of the advent like the compilation style he like he laughs crazily Mm -hmm. but they tuned it in a way that it feels cool instead of dumb he's like a he's like a full-on anime villain Mm mm-hmm and then one of the, like, we were wondering if they would do this, but they, like, really expanded Johnny. Johnny, who, <laughs> who had, like, a couple of lines in the original, and you he showed up and then Costa del Sol. Right. Like, he's an NPC that stands out just because you're like, is that the same guy? <laughs> like, he, you kind of notice him. He said he was Tifa's childhood friend, and then he yells at Cloud at one point. Yeah, he's memorable from the original because he has, like, a mistranslated line that makes you go, like who is Johnny? But then in this, they've turned him into like this guy who's desperately pining after Tifa and trying to save her and failing, and then you gotta go and actually save her. Well, they've they've also added his dad as a character, and I don't think I've played a video game <laughs> that has the characters aren't mean, like they're not mean to the world, but their entire conception is like hateful. Like these people are fucking losers. <laughs> like there's nothing redeeming about Johnny or his dad. Like you meet his dad and he's like, my son Johnny is the best. I love him. And then you realize his dad is like an idiot businessman who like has too many grappling hooks. And Johnny he's is just a boob. Really an idiot. And, yeah. And, yeah. For the whole wall market part, Johnny is like running around failing to do what you're supposed to do to help tifa yeah and then in the honeybee inn you run into his dad who's like fucking trashed in a private room with a stripper <laughs> i really hope they take johnny forward into the whatever future well, they're remake going games. to because they added this whole weird plot where like early on cloud like threatens his life he's like you got to get out of town because he's like knows who avalanche right, is right. and he doesn't want him to talk and so the whole game you're running into him and he's like raising funds to get out of town yeah 
I think he's going to show up in Costa <laughs> he's del def- Sol. I think definitely. In that same room. The funny thing about him, too, is like, he's this character that Cloud doesn't want around, and he's so annoying that you don't want him around <laughs> either, and he keeps showing up, and you're like, enough, Johnny. Johnny, enough. I feel Stop bad it. for you. <laughs> and I have to say, the one of the more shocking things to me about this game's success is how good the voice acting is. Yes. I really thought this was going to be dumb and eye rolly and like just in your face about so many different like fan. Uh, what's the word when you fondle the fans balls? Fan fondleage. Fan, uh, fan service. Yeah, that's it. It was actually just like these characters really felt really real. Barrett's super intense, but he's a real hothead. And yeah, and they he's also like funny like you get the idea that he's probably not really capable of achieving what he wants to do you know like mm-hmm. his plans are not great yeah like i love the number of times that the characters realize they're walking into an obvious trap mm. and barrett's reaction is like fuck it bring on the trap <laughs> and everyone else is like all right <laughs> it works out yeah because yeah like voice acting in jrpgs in general and especially in like Final Fantasy 15 Woof. and in Final Fantasy 12. Although, you know, I mean, he found a new recipe and we all loved that. We did all love that. <laughs> we we love it when he snaps his fingers and has a new recipe. Don't we, folks? But, uh, but like, that's something that they've traditionally, like, sucked at. Like, even going yeah. back to before voice acting, they couldn't even write it in English in a way that was discernible. In the past, like, five to ten years, voice acting has really been elevated in so many different video games, and I'm just, like, thrilled that Final Fantasy is... Has finally, like, stepped up. A right. Bit. Yeah, because it's also... They're, they keep the, the whole script and everything. It's pretty, like tacky in a lot of ways you know and they nail that sweet spot of like this is cheese ball but this is great but also the way that cloud interacts with Aerith and the way Mm -hmm. that she talks to him and the way that she like is kind of fucking around with him is all intact in a really great way Mm -hmm. and yeah in advent children and crisis core you're like do they know that these characters are good yeah do tifa and cloud like each other what's (laughs) happening in this you never feel that you feel like you understand where every character is coming from and on top of that it's not just voice acting in scenes like while you're fighting they're like yelling shit back and forth to each other if you're just like running around they're like chatting about the environment around them you know they're like you know they'll walk into a room and Barrett will be like the fuck is this place and cloud's just like this is where they keep the energy or whatever you know and Beyond the voice acting, that's not only the only good audio part. That's a clumsy way to transition into this. Because the, we're going to talk about the music. We're right going to talk about the music, which is like, I mean, I feel like in Final Fantasy VII, mm-hmm. that was like a high benchmark when Absolutely. we went from six to seven. Like the music in six is like amazing, it's so good. But then you get to seven, and you're like, holy shit, this world map theme. I don't know. Both of those are amazing. They, like, <laughs> uh, they are. I mean, it might just be my nostalgia, but they like kicked it up big time, many in notches. And this is so. I first of all, the redoing of all the different themes and the way that they're like mixed together, and you catch like little bits of memorable melodies and stuff like that is so fucking good. 
but also like the new song that Nobuo wrote. Oh yeah, I just love that it. That song's great. I love that song. Well, because it, yeah, it's not just the old music redone in a really nice way. Mm-hmm. It's like so much new music too there's, that's mixed in. Yeah, and then there's like the parts where you got to go around to the jukeboxes and collect all the music. Right, there's even a there's <laughs> a, even a music mini game where for some reason you collect music you can play on jukeboxes in certain areas. I'm still, you know, I haven't really dissected that yet. What the fuck was that all about? Well, every time you would hear like a weird theme, it w- there would be like a logo in the corner that had question marks. I guess and you could track it down. Just like a huge music fan, so he hears a song and he's like, "I gotta have that I gotta single." Because <laughs> like from the trailers and stuff, I was expecting a mostly orchestral score, mm-hmm. but they've mixed in like so many different styles. Yeah, like, I feel like every piece of music you remember like the battle music for example was done like five different ways it was or more and then all of that it almost it almost has the feeling of like there's like a professional like dj in a booth like mixing tracks <laughs> for you the genova fight i remember particularly like started and i was like this doesn't have that like right and it's like all orchestral and then like halfway through on top of the orchestra like a beat drops and like like hits with the the vote and you're just like oh my god it's so good and also just in general, going in and out of battle, the way the music would transition mm-hmm. was fucking awesome. I think one of my favorite redoings was the, um, this thing. This, like, sort of funky, like... Oh, yeah. They've, like, done a crazy dubstep version of that is so <laughs> fucking awesome that plays, like, when you run through the part with the mechanical arms, but, like, fighting to this music, because, right. like, they have it, just like the other ones, that when you get awesome. into battle, the music kind of changes, and it just starts to, like, get mm-hmm. more and more intense with, like, heavy drum fills and beat drops as you're, like, fighting these thugs underground. They even redid the Gelnica theme in a way that made us not hate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually could listen to that and not just go like, duh. And I was worried going into it that there was going to be a little too much electric guitar of the mid-2000s after having seen fucking Advent Children and shit. There was a lot of it, but it was balanced out in a great way. Electric guitar isn't bad. No, but those, like, Crisis Core soundtrack is like, (laughs) gives me such a headache. I hate it. But, like, this... At appropriate moments. It's like, you know what, when you want an electric guitar, when you're like flying on a motorcycle down a cyberpunk freeway or whatever, hitting other people. God, that was fun. So, and beyond just the music, which adds a lot to the atmosphere, Mm -hmm. like visually the way they designed the whole world and all the parts of it. It's amazing. Walking around the slums underneath the plate and Mm -hmm. being able to, this is a key innovation of the remake. Yeah. You can look up. Yeah, and you the scale feels so crazy, like seeing the plate above you. It's totally oppressive in this awesome way, and you feel that you're actually like moving around the plate or mm-hmm. like underneath it as you go from slum to slum. And like, you know, the way they built out the neighborhoods, like around Tifa's bar, Seventh Heaven, like you walk around that much like in the first game, but like being on the ground floor and sort of like looking up at all the stuff and having the place full of NPCs mm-hmm. that instead of like walking up to them and hitting X, you just overhear like the sort of tossed off dialogue of like what everyone's thinking about. And yeah. Like, I think you noticed at one point, like early on, you were like, 
nobody's moving. Like nobody's yeah, going anywhere. And the whole thing has a very tableau kind of feel it's to like it. It's like a living like, painting yeah. that you like as you walk through it, it like you experience it, but if you stop and look at everybody, like nobody's like going anywhere. No one is alive. Like they're not like it's not like they're on a, a clock where like at 8 a.m. this character gets up and goes to the farm. <laughs> no. Like they just stand there and, and they, they say they the talk thing. to each other. Yeah. yeah. But they also did a great job cuz you would think like isn't Midgar going to feel like too samey for a whole game mm-hmm. but like the way they've imagined like the slums it's like when you when you go from like sector five or whatever where tifa's is it's like mm-hmm. a very sort of flat dusty isn't ground. she in se- sector seven i don't think seventh so. heaven i what well, i'm not is? sure it could be i don't know which i'm bad at keeping the sector i think part. it's a, she's in because she gets crushed it is sector seven you're right it's the sector seven plate that falls right but that feels different from Aerith's house, yeah, which is the it, most, they kept that the most lush place in the slums ever. But it, yeah. Her like, house is gorgeous. But it's not even just like that it's more lush at her house. Like the environment is different. Mm-hmm. Like you can tell that that part of the city was built in a place that has like these red rock canyons and they were doing like <laughs> mining and stuff. Like it, it's like you've walked far enough that now, even before the city was here, this area looked completely different than where they built Sector 7. You yeah. Know? On top of that, it's not all dark either. There's this like amazing shot where like Cloud goes to bed at night and then you wake up. And he opens the door, and it's fucking daytime in Midgar, and yeah. it's, like, mind-blowing. Yeah, it's beautiful in there. Like, you look out beyond the plate, so you can just see, like, this huge swath of sky between the plate and the ground mm-hmm. with, you know, like, bright sunlight sort of coming in. Midgar is awesome. They Yeah, they did a pretty awesome job designing the whole thing. You also spend more time on to- on the top side of the plate which you now get to see is like a pretty just like suburban feeling neighborhood, like mm-hmm. off of the freeways. There's like little right. houses that are like nicer than what's below. Well, the the slums are, are like shanties and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Wall market is badass. Yeah. And they really like extrapolated out every moment where it was like in the original, there's a screen where you walk over a robot arm and now there's like a whole tunnel where you're dealing with robot yeah, arms the robot and it's ar- a whole thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> and you're like, <laughs> Like kind of under a bunch of wreckage for that part and then you come out and now you're like in wall market which is like all neon and mm-hmm. crazy and awesome and then there's like the shinra tower which just looks awesome as a dungeon mm-hmm. to be walking up well yeah because they give you the whole environment of like sleek corporate glass with yeah. like nice mood lighting everything seems to be made of like a fancy marble everything's shiny so they make it all feel pretty diverse even though you're in like one city yeah it's but like i guess you don't really go to an ice town for example yeah there's not any of that in this game unfortunately but this game isn't over like i'm excited about what's coming and each of the sectors feels like a different town so you get you do feel like yeah, you're exploring different true. towns. I would say like one sort of thing that would have helped the vibe a lot more is like all the side quests in this game that you get when you're walking around the towns are like pretty uninspired. Yeah. Like the plots behind them are almost an FF15 level of like why are we doing this? There were a couple that were like can you clear out the spiders? Yeah, and then there were a we couple, got a there, were, there were two separate ones where it's like, the kids are missing. Can you round them up? Yeah, can you find all the kids? They're all standing around town. Luckily, each of these like contains a unique fight, 
so you get some cool combat, mm-hmm. but like the the story of like what day to day life in Midgar is could have been fleshed out in those, I think, and that was kind of a missed opportunity. But visually, everything is pretty on point. So one of the big changes from the original was you can look up. Mm-hmm. I would say that's a positive change. Yeah. So yeah, let's talk about the changes because I think there's like a couple categories of this. Mm-hmm. There's like stuff that they expanded upon. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily, like, because it wasn't in the original. Right. You know, like, there's a whole sequence where you go see, like, Jesse's backstory with Avalanche. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, a great expansion on the character. You visit her house, mm-hmm. you meet her family. Yeah, and th- that whole thing, like, all of that makes, like, Avalanche feel like real characters. Like, mm-hmm. they're with you for a large portion of the game. Wedge right? has the character trait that he eats. Yeah, they really lean He's into the a hungry fact guy. That, that Wedge is chonky. He's a chonky boy. <laughs> the thing is, with Wedge isn't that fat it's just that everybody else in this game has like one percent body fat it he's relative pretty, to him i mean his gut hangs he's out he's not like don corneo fat or no, anything. don corneo's like, he's really like, fat like wedge is like kind of buff he's like buff fat you know but he's fat i don't i think we're I splitting know. hairs here a little i guess bit. so yeah <laughs> i'm just saying he's not like he's there's a lot of talk about his tummy no one else has. I mean, he's fat. He's he's a fucking fat ass, man. But yeah, another big change is that the three of them don't exactly die in the plate falling the way it happens in the original. Yeah, like they they add a whole sequence where Wedge didn't die. He just fell into a hole. Mm-hmm. Like, he falls underground into, like, an abandoned Hojo lab. Jesse dies, and then also, like, at the ga- end of the game, which we'll get into in a minute, it's implied that Biggs survived as well. Yeah, well, It's I not mean, even implied, it's said outright. It's so hard to talk about all at the same time, because it's like, is it implying that he survived, or that he did die, and something that happens changed that, and now he's alive? Yeah, well... We'll get into that in a minute because there's other changes to talk so about. I'll just, first. We'll just let's just go back to the plate falling because that is like the biggest, like the first big change is Wedge surviving the plate falling. Mm-hmm. And a when I realized he was alive, I like fucking loved it. Yeah. I was like, yes, that's right. a great change. Like I, I would love if Wedge was around a little more. And it's like I'll go with that. I mean, I will say that I had forgotten that dungeon. That whole dungeon is like padding in a way that I'm like, this is adds to the story in a strange way. Mm -hmm. The underground Hojo lab. Yeah, it really feels like the compilation sort of encroaching Mm -hmm. on this plot. And it's not like bad because you go into this underground lab and you just start fighting weird monsters and Mm -hmm. you don't really get to the bottom of what they are or why they're there. (laughs) It's really this whole part you play is just so Cloud can be like, I think we should save Aerith because Shinra experiments on people. Yeah. Anyway, I got a little bit off, off the rails there. But yeah, like Wedge living is like a really a change that feels really good yeah. in the moment. What are some of the other changes? Well, I mean, they completely change how the cross-dressing sequence goes down. Like, right. you no longer go around gathering items to, like, then help Cloud change into a different person. Like, I'm not exactly sure how it works, but you kind of are going around Walmart doing various things, and you have a few questions you get asked that mm. you have a few different answers to. Yeah. 
And I think all of that adds up because like Andrea fully cross dresses you while you're dancing with him. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't you don't like get a piece here and a piece there and dress up like right. he snaps his fingers and, and you're dressed as a lady. Happens. And depending <laughs> on the choices you made, Cloud will look different. Right. Um, There's a lot of those little choices things, which is also from the original where you're like, I don't know what this is leading to, but I've just made a choice. And I th- I think that was like a change that worked super well. Like it's way better the way it all goes down in this mm-hmm. and even plays like I never felt like in the original that there was any like homophobia or anything going on. But a lot of people, I think, feel the original sequence was very like, you okay. know, you go to the gay gym right. and like you're going right. to cross dress and like right. people are like, it's it's problematic. And in this, they've totally flipped the script. Yeah. And make it not only not problematic, but, but like awesome. empowering. Yeah. They make it like a, a, a like bisexual <laughs> like fantasy where like Andre even says he's like true beauty is like the heart speaking regardless of gender you know and and like it's it's great I love what they did with that it's so cool and then you know we've talked about they added in like the Coliseum Mm -hmm. and yada 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 we're we're obviously talking around the one big change because well, we want to get thing. to that last. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so what else was there? They upgraded that motorcycle sequence to be more fun than ever. Yeah, and they added one earlier too. Like you do the motorcycle thing yeah. twice. Yeah, but like they made that better. It's like yeah, these are all like things that it's like because you still do a boss fight on the road. Like that robot is chasing you. Right. When you're on the motorcycle, but like you don't stop and fight him, you just fight him on the motorcycle, which is it's awesome. Super sweet. Yeah, man, motorcycles, huh? Yeah, I think Nomura is like into the bike gymnastics. Mm. I think that's like his baby. Well, he's got lots of babies, it seems. He does, and uh, that that brings us to the other big thing they've added, which are Dementor-like ghosts. Yeah. That appear anytime something might not happen the way it did in the original, except not really, because they don't appear when you go on Jesse's whole thing. It's confusing and when these things show up or not. And like throughout it, you're just like, what is the deal with them? Because sometimes they fight you and sometimes they're like helping you. Yeah. And sometimes and by, they create a wall you can't walk past. And yeah, you learn that they're called the Arbiters of Fate. Was that it, or the whispers of fate? Well, like they 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 can be called whispers, oh, okay. or if you will, arbiters of fate. Every ghost how, has three names. Yeah, and they their whole thing is you then realize the whole plot of the game has actually been a meta plot about how the plot will be different this time. Well, wait, the plot straight up plays out pretty much through the top of the Shinra building like that, like the, which is like the climax of the game. Mm-hmm. So the plot plays out almost identically with like differences of like how mayor Domino and his little puzzle game is, but it's like, you know, you hit mayor Domino on yeah, the way up the tower. Mayor Domino. Yeah. Then you get to the top of the Shinra tower and instead of a sword in the president's back, the president is like, has been like thrown out of his office and he's hanging off of the ledge. Yeah. And Barrett like comes up and is like going to drop him off the ledge, but decides like not to. And then like Sephiroth shows up and kills the president and then he kills Barrett. Mm-hmm. And Barrett dies. And then the ghosts come around him and they are like, whoa, and they start doing like healing magic on him or and something. And then Barrett comes back to life. And I'm literally sitting there like, what was that for? Like, why did we, what did we get Because they were just showing you that what they do is like they fix anything that was changed from the original. 
So then we fight our way down the Shinra Tower. And that all and goes the same. That all goes the same. Badass we motorcycle our way out, you know, basically mm-hmm. the same. But at the end of the road, instead of just like finding a crane that you climb down and go, well, that was Midgar. You, Sephiroth is waiting for you and you go into this weird mind place and there's like a bunch of other shit that's going on. Yeah, you're then in like a floating rubble landscape and it turns out that you're now going to fight the Arbiters of Fate to kill Destiny. So there's like this giant weapon-sized monster that's like in the distance, but there's like three more like beatable monsters that are like attached to him cosmically that yeah, you fight and, you and it fight like them, it affects them. And then you kill so you kill destiny. And it was well it was pointed out to us a detail about these three things that you can fight in this boss battle where it's like if you analyze them, one of them has a sword, one of them has a gun arm, and the other one has gloves. Yeah, so it's and Barrett, Tifa, and Cloud from a corrupted future that have come back in time to do something. Well, when you and, like what you know to ensure their existence, like when you assess the three monsters, it's like monsters from the future coming back in time to make sure that they exist in the, the future, which, which is, is ridiculous, like some kind of Roko's Basilisk. Or even more dumb. I mean, but the 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 big. I mean, it's a badass boss fight. So it, they're it's lucky really that cool. it's cool to do. It looks cool. It's epic. But, You're fighting a disembodied understanding of what badness is at yeah, the end of a Final Fantasy fate. game. You kill fate, and then you fight Sephiroth for some reason. Does that happen before you walk through the gate? With that Eris blows open? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you fight so, yeah, Sephiroth the, after you beat these things. It goes to, like, Sephiroth and Cloud in the live stream, though, at the end of FF7 Original. Like, it goes after to, like... After you beat him here. Like, you fucking... Yeah, yeah, you, like, fight him, and, like, the scene kind of plays out. And then Sephiroth says something that you and I have been discussing for the last few days. Like, what did he mean? Yeah, well, they're standing in what looks like the final con- confrontation, like, in Cloud's mind between Cloud and Sephiroth. Which mm-hmm. in the original game, I took to be like a thing in his mind where he's expelling Sephiroth from his mind, but they seem to be taking it to like, no, it's a real other metaphysical plane that they meet on at the end of creation. That Sephiroth was actually, says to I him, thought, well, I thought originally <laughs> that it was in the life stream and that mm-hmm. it wasn't in, just in Cloud's head. I thought that the, he goes and meets him in the afterlife you're, and kill, you're removes right. him he from d- the afterlife. Yeah, it, that, probably how it's. But Sephiroth says that they're at the end of creation. Yeah, now there's st- you can see like the cosmos around them. And then he like leans over, like, you know, offers Cloud, he's like, join me. Something and Cloud's like, that. like, never. And if you hadn't played this, you'd be like, who the who, fuck who is this you? guy? <laughs> and, and, like, is he bad or not? And then... Oh, wait. Before we say what happens next, I have to go back and explain that also in this finale, as you're fighting the big monster boss, flashes of memories are hitting Cloud throughout it. And so you're seeing these little flashes. And one of them is of Zack at the end of Crisis Core. Yeah. Which, if I were playing this game for the first time, I'd be like, who the fuck is black-haired guy? Yeah, He's no, never it, been mentioned once, yeah. and what is the meaning of him? Well, the yeah, the end of this is chocked full of fan service that I don't think should be there yet. It's confusing to fans, even. Yeah. And then Sephiroth turns to Cloud and says... He's like, seven seconds, Cloud. You have seven seconds to do something? It's not explained what the fuck he means. And then, like, you leave that place... <laughs> 
Cloud's like backing himself, but this is like all loaded with flashbacks of Zack at the end of Crisis Core, mm-hmm. or maybe not. Right. Like, it seems like there's indications that they could have changed something in the past, and maybe Zack is alive now. Well, in the past, in the this Zach- pod, this isn't going to make any fucking no, sense. We not. can't even discuss this. In the in the, in the <laughs> this flashback with Zack, those whispers are flying around and stuff, mm-hmm. and then we come back to the end of the road now, and the whispers are all like flying around Midgar and, and like stopping Cloud and the gang from like leaving the road, well, but Eris like blows like a holy hole in it and like a beam of light shows up and they walk it like causes like a hole in the whispers we walk through the threshold and the whispers all like start exploding but they explode throughout all of time like it cuts back to zach and like the whispers that are around zach are dissipating like in the past which would indicate that like i i mean i don't even i don't even know how what it indicates but it was also like they keep they kept saying as they were about to walk through this threshold like leave what you know in the past and all this kind of like it, it's well the yeah the this, game is going to be different kind of shit get a, getting away from it not making any fucking sense at all or seeming to mean anything concrete period mm-hmm. <laughs> which already i don't really like mm-hmm. I don't, like, I'm all for big changes. Change whatever you want. Surprise me. Mm -hmm. Don't make the big change that now the plot is about how the plot is different than the plot was in the other game that the characters don't fucking know exists. I know. They didn't play Final Fantasy VII. I don't give a shit. Just tell me the story. If from their point of view, they go like, well, Destiny is going to be different now. Effectively, that's fucking exactly the same as it would have been for them. Exactly. Like it's you and I are no, no fans of the Last Jedi, but no. the thing that we tend to dislike the most about it is that Luke Skywalker takes a while to tell you, like, forget about the old stuff. It's time for the new, and it's like, wh- how many seemingly, times do we have to do this? Seemingly shit? not out of motivation from in the world, but out right. of motivate. It's like that whole movie is about the director being too intimidated to make a Star Wars movie. You know, it's like the whole thing is like a meta commentary on like. But why does it have to be like the other ones? We don't need this I shit. Don't, Just tell if you me a fucking do story. Yeah, if you want to do something different, I don't need a meta justification about it. Like, there have been so many articles that were written that the whole point of them is just pointing out that there's a meta narrative in this meta narrative. <laughs> and it drives me so nuts because it doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. And beyond that, like, because everyone's super interested in this ending. But imagine this narratively like 30 years from now, Mm -hmm. like removed from the cultural context. (laughs) This means even less. Right. Like this is literally a game about how fans love Final Fantasy VII in the end, which I think (laughs) sucks. And they already told an amazing story that many people have not heard. And that is the purpose of a remake is to bring it to a new audience. And then... At the very, very end, it doesn't say Final Fantasy VII Remake will continue. It says the unknown journey will continue. Yeah, the unknown story. Or whatever. Yeah. And now we're going to leave Midgar and presumably chase Sephiroth around. Yeah. 
And I don't know how it's going to be unknown because it's the world of FF7. And if you go off and like change everything, if there's no Costa del Sol and Gold Saucer and shit and Cosmo I mean, Canyon on our way, be there, but we don't know what happens. We're at chasing them. Sephiroth. Like, what could happen except for what happened? What could happen is the characters being like, "Well, in the vision, I saw it happen this way, so maybe it's gonna, ha-, you know, like no, they could talk. Like, no. Zach could be fucking alive at Gongaga no, is what could happen. No. Any number of crazy. You act like you act. Like like, no. You act Why like would Zach being Gungaga <laughs> because he went home after he lived. Yeah. Like just as an example, here's a nightmare scenario for you. Okay. Let's say that Aerith is fully aware of Final Fantasy 7. Like she's sat down and played Final Fantasy 7. <laughs> so as you're going through Wait, the next Wait, do we get a scene where we actually get to see her play the game? I mean like metaphorically. Okay, like she's right. seen the whole <laughs> plot. And so now you're going through the game and they're going to be constantly having discussions well like, well About in this death. in this room I I died in the Destiny version and they're like, "Well, that's bad." And then, like, through some meta means, they'll, like, she won't die in the City of the Ancients, but then they'll realize, like, she has to die or else she we won't win. She was supposed to die. Because, and then they'll go back and she'll, like, choose to die. Oh. And everyone on the high one will be like, I really appreciate what you're doing first, Aerith. We'll never forget you. We love you. And they'll, like, milk it in the worst way like they did with the ending of Crisis Core. And it'll be, like, people holding each other in the rain and crying. Oh, and, like, God. it'll be... It'll be like they're trying to make it more meaningful just because just out of nothing, just out of like layering more fat on top. It's so plausible to me that they would not kill her and then go back and make her choose at the very end and like have her around for disc two. But I hate that because it's like the story has a great twist that's a shocking thing and here's the thing we didn't discuss is like during the end of the Shinra Tower thing like Wedge is in there. Yeah. And the force ghosts like throw him out of a window, right. implying that he died, which like, okay. So if the force ghosts are there to make sure everything plays out like it did, right. Wedge being killed randomly by force ghosts is not Mm-mm. fucking the same thing as Wedge being killed by Shinra. Right. So like, in what way is him being dead through a completely different circumstance the same as he be- him being dead right. in a completely different circumstance? It it's not like just because somebody died later, it, it, me- it means the same thing. No. The way they died matters. Like, let's say some, like, you know, enemy of your family kills your brother. Right. That's not the same as your brother dying of a disease later. <laughs> like, you would not then... But make- either way, they, bo- they died. He died. You wouldn't then... He yeah, died exa- both, t- yeah, both so ways. So I guess if your brother died of a disease disease you would then make your life revenge your life's mission you know you'd be motivated in that way another thing Uh so they're trying to make the story stay the same then why are they stopping you from leaving Midgar at the end? Because that's what happens at the end of Final Fantasy VII. You it, leave Midgar. It's confusing the way what they chose to my biggest, put yeah, them around my for. My biggest and what they concern didn't. with this meta narrative is that they don't even follow their own internal logic regarding what these yeah. things are and how they work. Like Aerith had to die. Because that's when she went to activate Holy. Like, it's not like she went there to die. Right. No. But I feel like they they may have flipped these logics in their mind. Anyway, I won't get too in the weeds about what could happen. I just think this game was so amazing. Yeah. And, like, I didn't need to see a bunch of scenes with Zack in the end. And I didn't <laughs> need a confrontation with Sephiroth. And I also didn't need to see a cat pounding his fists on the ground. I didn't need to see Kate Sith with no commentary. (laughs) I just feel like the story they were telling is so strong and a much less strong story to me 
is that at the end of Advent Children, Sephiroth went back in time to change Final Fantasy VII so that he would win. Because it's the kind of thing that's only enjoyable if you have become so steeped in this (laughs) that your brain is now mush and any kind of like circular logic you can fall into is interesting. Yeah. I'm... I mean, look, I'm not trying to say if you like this ending that you're or you're bad or anything. <laughs> like, I'm not going that far because I love this game. Yeah. I just don't think the meta adds anything. There's been a lot of meta shit over the last 10 years in so many major pieces of media, and I, I'm, like, just sick of it at this point. I feel like too often, too, it comes from a place of, like, isn't what I'm going through more interesting than the characters I've made? Right, you know? Like, right. like, the fact that the main bad guy in this game is, like, the hype people have for Final Fantasy VII Remake <laughs> is so fucking bizarre. Yeah. Whatever the case... It leaves me extremely excited about the future of the FF7 remake franchise and whatever they do next, because that game was so fun and full of awesome stuff, and in both in reference to the old game and that was new to this game. And I'm excited. Like, I've played FF7. If it's different, okay. But I don't see why you would, like, change it fundamentally or in, in full, but... I'm excited to play the next oh, one. Oh, I am too. This I, was the only frustration is amazing. how long it's going to take to get it, but that's such as life with Final Fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. Overall, it was amazing. I think it would have been improved. I don't think you should have fought Sephiroth at the end of this. First of all, right. it's like, if he's the ultimate badass and you beat him at the end of every game, how right. is the final confrontation going to feel different? Even if, because like, you know, theories I've heard is like, you know, Sephiroth knows he loses in the original, which is why he came back to trick you into beat killing Destiny. Fuck off. So, like, which it's... probably is what it will be, that he'll be like, see, you thought you had to kill Destiny, but it's what I wanted all along, you know? And so if every time you fight him, it's because it's like, well, it was really, you were playing into his hand. It but sucks. Because well, just... at the end of the next one, presumably, you're going to be playing into his hand by handing him the black materia. Yeah, like... which is just an example of, like, you didn't have to, I mean, like, How is handing him the black material, like, how is that going to feel that huge when what you've already done is kill Destiny? (laughs) Like, it's just too much. It just doesn't, didn't need to go that big. Like, the the final boss fights were already crazy before you got to that. Rufus was really cool. Rufus was awesome. Yeah. I think the whole thing would have been stronger without this Arbiters of Fate bullshit. I agree, I agree. Because it really it was so strong. I can't believe how strong it was in its own right. Like, you know what would have been a badass change that mm-hmm. I would have been fully on board with? Is if Barrett kills President Shinra, like, in <laughs> cold blood. Like, yeah. Like, you know, because he's holding him over the the railing or whatever. What if he just dropped That him? would have been fucking And then that would awesome. be like this, you would feel so mixed about it because it'd be such a like ruthless yeah. act, but it's also what he's been driving at. And then you would also feel like, wow, we really accomplished like fighting Shinra here. Like we did something to Shinra, mm-hmm. which is like what the game has been about. And then there would be a million fans screaming about how Barrett would never have done that. That's not a Barrett's character to, to murder like that. Which is fucking bullshit. Well, this guy's insane. Yeah, no, I would. <laughs> I'm fans are gonna scream no matter what. Exactly. I just and it really adds nothing other than like their own anxiety about making the game. My brother the game. is playing it right now, and he 
never played the original, and that's he's the like thing. he's halfway gonna get to through the it, end and he's gonna hate. He's this. in love with it so much right now. Mm-hmm. He's like over the moon about how great this game is, and he's like so excited to learn more about FF Seven. But I'm gonna start getting texts from him at a certain point where that are gonna be like. What's with the ghosts and did Barrett die and uncome back and like did that happen in the original and I'm going to have to be like dude I can't even begin to talk about any of this. It's like the whole plot is about them convincing you you should be liking the game you already like. Yeah. <laughs> Cuz then it it's the very end after you change something unspecified, I don't know what. <laughs> Biggs is alive now at the oh, very yeah, end. Oh yeah, it cuts to Biggs and he's like recovering in that orphanage. Yeah, he's at the Leaf House. <laughs> and he's alive now. And it's like, if you're just going to be killing and unkilling people left and right yeah. with magic, who gives a fuck about anything? I remember Heroes, <laughs> the TV show, had an issue with that, where in their second season, they had, like, the girl who can heal if you take her blood and you inject it into yourself, you heal. <laughs> and they just, like, pretended that was not true at a yeah. certain point because they you can't go back after that. No anyway, one can die. Yeah. I'm stoked for more. It was a fucking awesome game. Yeah. I, I recommend just, everybody go play it. Yeah, I do too. Big uh, thumbs up. So we didn't do a whole season out of this game, but since we did play it, I think we can put it in our official Oh, our ranking? Our ranking of the games. Which so right now the list stands at we like seven, seven the best, <laughs> followed by six, followed by four, and then followed by one, bringing up the rear. Mm-hmm. So pretty much in order of release. I might put this up at the new top because it's so fun to play. Yeah, that's really... I mean, the thing is, it doesn't... Like, 7 has the full story of 7. That's like, the thing. Is like Maybe we can't put this in the ranking until it's all done in 10 years. Because, <sighs> yeah, like, thinking on it, I'm like, I probably had more fun the entire time playing this than any other Final Fantasy mm-hmm. we've played. But when I think about the journey, right. it's not nearly as like it's satisfying not a full or journey, really. Or, yeah, but it know. all will be theoretically eventually. Well, I want to put Maybe. it at the top with an asterisk because it's kind of hard to compare it to a complete Final Fantasy journey. I mean, as it stands now, I'd put it just under seven because it's not right. The, it's not. It's not That's narratively fair. satisfying That's on its That's own. That's fair. And then another Final Fantasy that we have technically played, but we will be discussing a lot in the next season. We can't tell you exactly where that lands, and that's Final Fantasy II. Mm-hmm. But start thinking, like, where do you think it's going to land? And then at the very bottom, under all of this, with their own asterisks, are the all the compilation shit, like worse, oh, than, yeah. worse than Final Fantasy One. We didn't technically rank I those, think. yeah. Well, is Crisis Core worse than Final Fantasy One? No. No, no, but Dirge of Cerberus is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and go experience our playthrough as well, unedited, on Twitch or YouTube, wherever you want it. We loved it. Like, do you think the next game, like, Zack will show up and then it'll be like a love triangle between Zack, Aerith, and, and Cloud? I mean, and then that wouldn't Tifa, be and, nearly and then... as satisfying to me if, like, Zack is the one that No, Aerith but you got to remember, like, all the people who are involved in this also were involved in the compilation stuff, which is just, like, a complete misreading of what's good about Final Fantasy. they were also involved in the original. I don't I know. know. I, they, yeah. They've clearly lost their minds over the years. Yeah, but they toned it back. Like, there was a reference to G-type stuff, mm-hmm. which is Genesis, but, like, there was not really, like... There was also a console reference. 
There was. Remember yeah, that they kid brought was like, oh, console. let me go get console. Yeah, I but mean, like, other than that, what, it wasn't what if like... the next game is Sephiroth was like, my first mistake was not using my brother Genesis to help <laughs> me, and then they're both there. We'll find out. Stay tuned for years. Yeah. Well, with that, rate and review us and all that shit. We hope you enjoyed yeah, this bonus thanks. episode. Yeah, we just had to get our thoughts about FF7 Remake out there. We're working hard on Season 5 right now. Mm -hmm. Season 5 is going to be ridiculous. We still need some more time to get that fully together to be able to release it without any breaks, but it's coming together, and it's Final Fantasy 2, mm -hmm. and it is rough. <laughs> Thank you to everybody who supports us on Patreon. We really need your help through this time, and we really, really appreciate your continued support. We do. You know, we got the video versions and other bonus episodes available up on Patreon. You can get t-shirts and mugs at our Etsy store, which we recommend you do. With that, we'll be back in a little while with the proper season, mm -hmm. season five of No One Can Know About This. Thank you, everybody. Thanks.